Okay, everybody, so we're in the middle of a topic, let's just sum up where we're holding so far, so we can get to the practical part of it. We're discussing Amalek. We're discussing what's the basis of where Amalek's coming from, the, their drive to want to destroy Kali Israel. We saw something which is just an ideology, it comes from the very essence of the people, that the existence is based on that. And because of that, we see them as, a, as an ex- existential threat. Klai Israel had lots of enemies. The Plishtim were our sworn enemies, as were Ammon and Mayav. The Pazak even says about them, Tziva Hashem Liyakov Svivov Tzorov. Hashem had our enemies surrounding us. It's talking about Ammon and Mayav. So they were also not friends of ours, uh, long-term foes. We have no, Indian to, or no instruction to destroy them. The only ones that instruction to destroy is Amalek, because like we saw previously, that the very being of Amalek is uh, based on the ability to destroy Klai Israel. If we had to give an example, which just for ourselves, it's something which, so to speak, is living off us. It's a, and if that's okay, so then as much as they're alive, they're taken away from us by the very virtue of their being here. So we see them as someone, who, as a nation, whose the very being is trying to threaten us, is trying to, whenever they have opportunity, to kill us. And if that's the case, just like we saw, as a principle that you're allowed to attack, to defend yourself, you're allowed to. Uh, Hashkeh means you can take the first move to thwart an attack. So the saying applies to Amalek. The saying applies to Amalek, and that was the, that was the first part of what we saw. Amalek is in the category of their own. And Akunah all the other nations will exist in some form as to serve Klai Israel or to do some part in the world. Amalek wants. Amalek gets completely destroyed. Now, that's our understanding. How do we explain it once? So the first point is, do you understand, uh, we'll take us in four steps. We started this last time, I'm just going to make it more clear. Uh, the question is going to be asked in one or nine different ways. The question could be asked from the, pac- the pacifist point of view, how can we kill people? Like, uh, shouldn't we just kind of make some kind of workable compromise between us? Like, is, uh, why, why are we legislating and even uh, not just legislating, but allowing, commanding? us to go and kill whole soul, a whole people so that's a simple question like it doesn't make sense that in the moral system there could be this concept of mass destruction the other way to understand it is to understand uh, it starts the question and this is the way the, uh, I call it the Russia question but it's a fair question which we need to answer and that is then you're no, you're no different to the Nazis you're just on the other side they wanted to destroy you you wanted to destroy them it's exactly the same and if the most expendable way to destroy lots of people is to use uh, gas chambers to you know, as a production, and then you do the same thing. So well, why they, why, what do you have against them? You would, if you wanted to, to uh, you, if you were able to, you do the same thing to Amalek too. So it's a good question, which you need to answer. But it's not a new question, because you have shown him about that already. Not about Nazis, but about the idea. And uh, then, then there's the Chachum question, which is uh, trying to ex- understand the way we see people today, that uh, are people really bound by their nature to be a certain way? Don't we understand that people could be trained or taught or educated or trained or changed in some way? Why is there any, op- why is there any option to kill them? The first question of how could a religion that supports morality do this, that's also Russia? No, that's, that's a, the time question. Of, well, what's the hatter? What's the, what's the reason to do this? Okay, so... The moral question is the time, right? Yeah. It's not coming to attack necessarily, it's just trying to understand. Like, well, why would that be an instruction? Which we have. Okay, so let's, uh, like I said, let's, let's take a step by step. Number one, 
Number one, the <coughs> what we said beforehand is a necessary hakdama. In, in other words, the, the, not every enemy is Amalek. Not everybody who tries to attack La Israel, and even though there were those who who did attack La Israel repeatedly, we don't put any anybody who is attacking us into the category of Amalek. None of the four Malchias, for example, even though those were people who have oppressed the Jewish people for have each one however long they existed for, and destroyed the Besamidash twice and killed countless Jews, we don't call them Amalek. It's not like all our enemies are in the same category. It's specifically Amalek. That's the first point. So it's not like we're out to, to kill the world. We're not trying to destroy everybody. Whoever doesn't accept us, it's, there's a specific, a specific group called Amalek. That's where this mitzvah is directed towards. And that's it. No, we're going to back on. Number one. Number two. Number two. The, having understood that point, so then, how do we reconcile the fact that when it comes to other nations which were enemies, such as Egypt, such as Egypt, you're talking to the generation who's, who then, themselves and their parents and their grandparents <coughs> had all been enslaved in Egypt. They probably lost family members to the, to the beatings and, uh, or being thrown into the river, whatever it was. And these are the people that Torah tells them, and that is, let us have Mitri, Kigera Yusabarza. You know, the Mitzrim, they gave you a safe haven at one stage. So yes, it's true that afterwards they oppressed you and enslaved you and tortured you. But you know, once upon a time, the Mitzrim were good guys. They let they didn't come in, and therefore you can't hate the Mitzrim. So, if you, so firstly, to establish the moral position of the Torah. So even a nation which had harmed us as much as the Egyptians did, and we're talking to the, not way in the future, we're talking to that same generation that came out of Egypt, they told you can't hate the Egyptian. So it's not like we, we have a grudge against them, that we're bearing, so to speak, a, a hatred for what they did to us. Otherwise, we would have more, ample reason to hate the Mitzvim too. And not only aren't we allowed to attack Mitzvim, we're even allowed to accept them as Gary. And we're even allowed to marry with them. In the third generation, whatever it is. But that's, that's the Lashon the Pasuk. Don't despise the Mitzvim. So Amalek's different. Amalek's different. Now, the, 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 that's number one. Number two. Let's start with the. Let's start with the second point of an introduction, which will also make things clear, and that is, besides for the fact that Amalek's uh, necessity is that uh, he he takes from Christ in order to in order for him to live. Uh, there's a second aspect to Amalek also, and it's also announced in Parsha, and that it says that it says that Hashem al Muhammad which means there's a second aspect to Amalek. It wasn't just that he needs, he needs, uh, so to speak, to feed off the fact that what Israel he takes away from us, he doesn't have his own source of sustenance. There's a second point also, and that is, like we saw, there was an alliance between Amalek, Esav really is a great, big, bigger picture, but particularly Amalek, and the Kayak of Ra in the world. Because like we said, the Kayak of Ra does the same thing. The Kayak of Ra does the same thing, which means it doesn't have its own way to sustain itself and whatever it gets is directly from what it takes from us and therefore if there needs to be a people who've linked up and are representing what's right so then Amalek does that and that's why Hashem doesn't say about other nations but Hashem says there's a fight between Hashem and Amalek whatever whatever so to speak Hashem would want it's the, um, the force of Amalek which comes to resist that, which comes to, to, to prevent that, which comes to obstruct what, what, the ability of the world to do what Hashem wants it to do. 
Why? Because by connecting to the Satan, by connecting to the Koyach of Ra, that's where Molech gets uh, that Kiyom from. Okay. Now, so with, that, with those two points in, 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 as a background. Now, let's start to answer in the step-by-step process. And I know you're going to ask some questions in the middle, so I'm just going to be trying to finish the three stages I want to say, and we'll hopefully answer these most of the questions. Number one. No number one. The first point is, if you knew somebody was planning and plotting to kill you, would you be morally allowed to kill them first? Because you said, you said four, yes. Uh, we don't have to wait to be a victim. We don't have to wait to be attacked. If we know that someone's planning to kill us, we have the right to attack them. It doesn't make a difference if it's one person or it's a group of people. Once we know that the people who that's the plan that they have in mind, that, and we know that if, if left to their own devices, that's what they're going to do, and then we're allowed to step in first and kill them. If we're given information, these are people who are plotting to kill you. It's going to take them time because they have to lay the plans and make it happen. So do I have to watch on the side until they get to the stage where they're actually able to implement it? Or if I have information that I can do it now already, can I already kill them up front? So again, I don't have to take the chance of letting myself get injured, letting myself get killed, because maybe they will be successful, maybe they won't. If it's clear to me that there's a, there's a, a hotbed of terrorism brewing, and I have a way to prevent them attacking innocent people, I would be allowed to do that. So, the first step of the answer is that we're talking about, let's talk about the adults of Amalek first. And we're talking about the people who have proved themselves that they, their whole race in the Atra is to come and destroy Klaistra. And wherever they're going to be, that's what they're planning to do. If, if we would know there was such a, a group, if we know there was such an undercover cell, so then of course, we're protecting innocent people, whoever the innocent people are going to be, by destroying the people who, who set on, or bent on harming them. That we'd be allowed to do. And then once again, like we see now, it doesn't make a difference if it's an individual or it's a group or it's a whole army. But if you have people who their whole, their, their whole mindset is we're going to try and kill you, you or any other Jew, whoever it's going to be, so yes, so then we're, we're instructed to prevent that happening. Now, in what sense? This is why we brought before in the Shir about the Jewish army. And that is, it's not a, like a scattered thing that we're going to, wherever we find one individual. It's a concept of going to war. We have an enemy. We've, we've identified this is the enemy. We need to have the Jewish army. We need to have the Jewish king. And now we're going to go to war. You're, you're, you're threatening us. We're going to attack you. So anybody who's capable of, let's say, of being a threat to us, we understand why there's a moral right that we are allowed to kill them. That's, that's preventing you threatening us. Now, because that's what you know you're going to do. That's the first step. Now, and the answer is part of the question, which is still want to explain, is what about... Uh, how do we know that every Amalekim is like that? Maybe there's some peace-loving Amalekim who are not necessarily trying to kill you. And the second question is, what about people who are too young, too old, and therefore they aren't necessarily actively trying to kill you either because they aren't in a position to do that. So why kill them? Okay, so this, is, this brings us to the second part of the answer. And that is, if we, if we, there's, people can understand today also the fact that a person would be willing to be a terrorist because you know what he thinks and you know what he's trying to do. Let's say we could predict. Let's say we could predict in advance. We, had a, we don't have Naveem today, but let's just assume for argument's sake we did. And let's say a Navi would reliably tell you about this baby that I can see he's going to grow up to be Hitler. Would I be allowed to kill him as a baby? Or would I say, shame, poor baby, he's done nothing wrong. Or would I be allowed to say, no, I can see that he's going, if I have accurate information of what he's going to grow up to do, so then I'd be saving mankind by killing him now. Now you're going to ask him, but how do you know 
That's it. We're assuming for the point of the question that I would have the accurate information. I would be told by a reliable prophet that this is a child's going to grow up to be a mass murderer. Would it be wrong for me to kill him now? No, it's only wrong because people think that you don't know. You can't be sure. But if I would know and, I would be, and, I, and my, my source of information is true, this will never happen, but let's, let's assume, imagine, there would be a certain psychological condition that's incurable and not preventable, and that means that a person has a condition, when he grows up, he's going to be a mass murderer. Let's say, we don't have such a thing, but I'm just making the argument. If that would be the case, so would, would it be immoral to kill a person now? So the only other option would be, you can't kill him, he's locked him up for life. That would be the one of the two options. Why? Because, because it's, uh, it's, uh, leaving him is definitely a threat to society. Okay. Now, the, so, there the, 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 the are the moral problems with locking someone up for life. Also, we'll come to that soon. But in the meantime, if that's not an option to us, so, so our option is kill him or not kill him. So then, are we, are we, would, we, would we be justified in wanting to kill somebody if we have all that information? So I think the answer is yes. It, it doesn't happen practically because we don't have that condition or we don't have that profit. But if I would have that information, and if I knew, let's say, in hindsight, that I was told when Hitler was a baby that he's going to be, he's going to be Hitler, and I could have killed him at the time, do I have some kind of responsibility for the crime of not killing him? And if that's the case, letting him kill 55 million people around the world through all the, the, the whole Second World War? If you knew and you didn't take the opportunity to prevent something happening, so there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of guilt you carry because you could have prevented it. Now, for that you have to know, obviously, and for that you have to be right. We can't just randomly kill people without knowing. But if we have, if we would have that information, and we would be told, you should know, this is what this person is going to become. And where do we see this in the Navi? Just as an aside, if your audience understands Nach, you can bring this up, and that is uh, the. The shawl, the, the case against Shol for saving Agag, because uh, even though Agag himself got killed soon after the Bashmul, but Lemaise Agag had a, had a child somehow and trained him with that Jew ideology that you're going to grow up to kill Jews. He turned, taught, taught his child you're going to grow up to kill Jews, and eventually his great grandson was Haman. And at the time of Haman, the Jewish people blamed Shol. Look what Shol did. Had Shal killed Agag, we would never have had a Haman. Now, that, is that a fair thing to say? That was a few hundred years before. It was a few hundred years before. How do you expect Shal to know what Haman is going to do later? The answer is, that's a Molek. The Torah tells you. The Torah tells you. We're predicting. We tell, the Torah is saying, I'm telling you. And a Molek is going to grow up to be a mass murderer. You have the Nebuah up front. Obviously, you have to know who the Molek is, and you have to, but you're relying on Hashem. And he's, he's telling us that that's the nature of a Molek. That's what they're going to do. So then, Shal, you you're going to take the responsibility of the descendant of a guy that you didn't kill. Because he, he, you knew Merosh. You leave him, he's going to be a mass murderer. You didn't need it. And why did you leave him? That's the first point. Now, in order to do that, again, we have to go back to the start with a fundamental point which you're always using if you follow the, the pattern in answering questions. And that is, it's not a human decision. If it was up to us, then you could ask us the question, how do you know? And we wouldn't have an answer to that because we don't know. If we, 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 the way we've used to show the answer is you're relying on information which isn't something which humans would necessarily know or would be able to say with reliability. We're going back to the fact that the Torah tells us. Now, if that's the case, so then if we're going to say this was told to us by Hashem 
he won't, he was he's the prophet. He's the one who told us up front, you should know. This child will be a mass murderer. Rely on me. He's my enemy too. Okay, then I have a reliable source of information. I can work on that. If I'm going to decide somebody's an enemy, then you have a good question. And you can ask, how do you know? Who told you he's an enemy? Maybe he's not. What can, how can you prove that to me? So like always with the questions, we have to go back to that point. And it's, this is a very, this is a very in, uh, important point to explain. It's a very important point to explain. Because uh, that's also going to be the key to answering the difference between our mitzvah to kill our malik, our mitzvah to kill our malik, and various nations who decide to kill us. Because this is where their, their, their moral argument falls short. And that is, you say you want to kill the Jewish people. Why? So there are those who just hate us for no reason. Then oh, there's no moral reason for that. Why do you just hate someone who's different to you? There's no moral reason for that. But we don't do that either. We don't go around killing people who are different to us. But even they're going to say the Jews are threatening us, which hasn't happened. Let's be honest. That wasn't anybody's argument. And no one said, well, we're being threatened by the Jews. They want to kill us. There was no realistic or reliable reason to say that. Not by the Romans, not by the Muslims, not by the Crusaders, not by the... Even Pai didn't say that we're going to kill them. He said we're going to leave the land. An enemy and leave the land. Yeah, you know, they won't be our servants anymore because they'll fight us and not they'll destroy us. It's probably they're going to leave. If Pai would have said they'll destroy Mitzrayim, it would have made the argument a bit better. But that wasn't what he was worried about. He was worried they're going to fight to free themselves. Now, if that's the case, if that's the case, we don't have that argument. There was no realistic way, time, in any place that, except for maybe the Amalekim themselves, that people thought that they were going to get destroyed by the Jews. And if that's the case, so then to make the argument that this is self-defense is, is not true. It's not true in any sense. And even if they would have wanted to claim that, even if they would have wanted to claim that, now you're going to come back to the question, how do you know? How do you know? Who told you? Who told you the Jews are threatening you? And no one's claiming divine order because it, Muhammad never said the Jews are threatening the, the Muslims. Ever. If he would have, then maybe they would have had an argument like that, but that wasn't the case. Maybe, then that wasn't the case. He wanted to spread his religion and he said, whoever doesn't accept my religion should die. He didn't say because they're threatening us. It was just a way of forcing power. And if that's the case, so then there's no moral argument to say that w- they were acting in self-defense. Where's the self-defense? Who was the attack? Who told you there's an attack? And there isn't an answer to that. They didn't have one because they didn't rely on that. They weren't coming. That wasn't the place where they were coming from. They were coming from the place of, we're going to make you do what we want, or we're going to kill you. Okay. Or, when it came to the Nazi ideology, well, it doesn't matter what we want. What we want to do is to destroy you. Yeah. Back to the first point. In most Western societies, if there's a known terrorist in planning, in very few, apart from Israel, most sides won't kill him. They'll arrest him or imprison him under. Uh, if that's not an option. ISIS. Unless he's coming to shoot people. ISIS. ISIS training, ISIS training camps. ISIS training camps. There was a war already. There wasn't a war. Who, taught, who went to war? You went to war against them. They didn't declare war on anybody. They were killing the people in their own lands. Fine. So we declared the war. Fine. But it's the same thing. I'm, again, a monarch's a war. It's not, like I said, it's not a scatter thing. And in terms of um, the, the baby makes sense, what about a 95-year-old man? Wait, we're getting there, we're getting there. Israel just killed three terrorists in the hospital by getting dressed up. Now, the world said it's illegal. How do we explain this point to a world that can go so extreme as to say that doing something in self-defense is, can be illegal? It's not illegal. What will be across that? 
No, it's, it's, it's not illegal. The, 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 every country would do the same thing. If you have a known terrorist, okay, again, if a person is going to be biased against Israel or against us, they're going to talk about it. If a person is willing to listen, so then if, if you know the terrorist is there and he has the gun under his chest and he's waiting for someone to shoot and you shot him first, whether you dressed up to shoot him or what's the difference? The man see there's a way to wait. Right? Okay, so that's the second point. The third point. And this, this is, this is uh, what's uh, specific to what the Ramban says in the, about the Mitzvah, but it applies to Nazis and it applies to other things as well. And that is, when, if, even if there would be, let's say, a discussion of is there a moral ground to kill, there's never a moral ground to torture. There's never a moral ground to inflict pain. The Torah doesn't tell us to do it either. If you have to kill a malek, it's in the most painless way possible, in the quickest way possible. There's no need to torture people, there's no need to inflict pain on people, even for a malek. There would be a din of being mitzayed for nothing there too. Uh, when any other, any other nation that's gone to war against us has always been to torture, to oppress, to, 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 to psychologically harm in every way they can. That's just coming from cruelty and it's just coming from uh, basic, basic uh, hatred. It's not coming from uh, of, uh, acting, in, uh, for, like, so to speak, acting on orders which was always the arguments against the Nazis individually. Acting on orders? No, you didn't just act on orders. You, 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 you did things to satisfy your own lust of cruelty and, and barbarism. And at the same time, it's right. When the, the Ramban asked the question of the Torah, and he says, why were the Mitzvah punished? Hashem told them that the nation is going to oppress you for 400 years. He said, yeah, but who told them to be cruel about it? That, that was an expression of their own wickedness, and that's what they deserve punishment for. If we'd be fighting Amalek, that wouldn't be the case. It would be done as something which is a halacha to do without, without involving a personal vendetta, so to speak, if you're going to torture them. Okay, that's, a, that's the second point. Now, the next point. There's always a way out. Now, we said this last time, I'm going to repeat it. There could be Magai. There could be Magai. Your whole, the whole basis of Amorek's problem is that they don't have a cure if they don't take it away from us. Okay, so the option of joining us. And if that's the case, that same person who now was your threat because what he wanted, what he needed to live was what he could siphon of you. If he's joining you, then he has, then he's on your side. From what age? Uh, from what age? From what age a person's a bendas. Is a bar or bas mitzvah? From a bar or bas mitzvah, a person can be my guy. From a bar or bas mitzvah, a person can be my guy if they choose to be. Instead of killing babies or locking them up, the third option of bringing them up in we don't. We don't force people to Magai. There's no such option in the Torah. People have to choose an own to Magai, and if they would, we'd accept them. Yeah. Or, or the parents can Magai with the babies. We don't do it. Yes, that's a Gemara. But, sorry? Who, who and when are you talking about? In the time of Muhammad, maybe they gave that option. They did. Today, no. No, they killed, they killed Jews, Arabs, Thai workers, uh, Druze, whoever they found. It doesn't make a difference. But that's not the point. I'm not arguing to the people today. The, the idea is that the concept. The concept is it's not an enemy which is something which you have to die. It, you can't be a malik. And if the option is if you want to convert, they will accept converts. Again, our job isn't to force people to convert because as far as Allah goes, that's not called conversion. But if a person uh, chooses to convert, we'd accept them. And like we brought proofs last time, that there were descendants of Amalekim who joined the Jewish people. Okay, so that's... Uh, so now, let's go back to what we said before. 
it's not, the first point. The moral, the moral reason is because we have uh, Hashem telling us that these people are going to kill you. That's the most reliable source of information we have. And without that, it's true. For us to predict on our own, we wouldn't be able to do. How would we know? We can't. But we have Hashem telling us. So we have a reliable source of information. Uh, number one. The second point is, is it similar to how we were attacked by our enemies? And the answer is no. Like I said, that was just an expression of barbarism and cruelty. That wouldn't be the way we would do something. And number three, it's not something which is, which is unavoidable because if a Namaki would want to convert, we'd accept that. By being an Amaleki, you're part of a group who's in, raising the interest to destroy Jewish people. That's something which for our own self-defense we have to destroy. By being an Amaleki, it's someone who's, so to speak, working against what Hashem wants in the world. Like we said, that's something we have to fight against. But what's the op- what are the options? The option is either a real garris, not a false garris, which means nothing. Either a real garris, which will be acceptable, or either that, or you're going to destroy them. And then that way, that, 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 way that threat's no longer there. No, there's a, a question, like I said last time. A person under a sar, or not under a sar. If he's under a sar, he's going from a sar. If he's not, so he's going from Klai Yisrael, or he's stealing from Klai Yisrael. There isn't another option. Okay, that's the point. Now, what, what questions do we still need to discuss? We still have two minutes left, so let's just talk about it quickly. What points do we still have to discuss? And that is, Bishlam of the Amaleki baby. Maybe then we have to say that, maybe then we have to say that uh, he's going to go to the terrorist. What about the Amaleki elderly person who's too weak to do anything anymore? What about the Amaleki sheep? They're not harming us. We have to destroy them too. So the answer is, the answer is that as, as long as this, and this is what the Torah says, Timcha Zeicher the memory of Amalek. The answer is, as long as that, that ideology still exists in the world, so then they're going to be more. They're going to be more. Uh, we haven't destroyed the entire nation, There's, then they're going to re- regroup and they're going to come back again. And, sorry? No, people aren't going to come from sheep. But So no, no, one, one thing at a time. So firstly, if you, the, uh, as long as there's a person who can still give up their ideologies, he will, to Ramalaki children, whoever they're going to be. Now, what's the problem with the sheep? The sheep aren't coming to attack us. Uh, the problem that Nancy said we said before, and that is that there's an ideology of Amalek, which is an ideology of, again, fighting Hashem. Muhammad Hashem Amalek. It's an insult, let's say, to a king, that there's a... Like, there's an enemy who wants to destroy him, wants to dethrone him. And that's another point. Not because we're being threatened by sheep, but the very existence of these sheep is proclaiming that there's something in the world which is fights against Hashem. Self-defense? No, as I said, it's not for us. Fighting the sheep isn't self-defense. Fighting the sheep is taking the chidol Hashem. And therefore, to leave a memory of a malek is a memory of, of an existence of something which... Fought Hashem, that, that's an insult to Hashem, it's something that's called fight with Him. And therefore, anything which has a name of Malik on it, like the Lacha says, that's, it's not coming to destroy for us. That's the second point. And that is, we're finding that because that's, that, that, that whatever would remind us of a Malik would be a reminder of, of something in the world which was there to fight Hashem. We don't want to be reminded of something like that. That's not the way the world's meant to be. And that's why I finished the last time, I'll finish up with this. In our world, we can't deal with that. But the truth is, in our world, there's so much against Hashem. It's not just Amalek. But when there's a world of the future which will be, which will change, so then the, the only ones who by definition will be the remaining as the ideology which tries Hashem will be Amalek. 
at that stage we'll be able to find that mitzvah. We'll be able to just, just like we'll destroy any other vestige of something which fought Hashem, we'll be able to destroy any rem- reminder of Amorek too. The Algelier is also killed because of Kiddush Hashem? No. Why he is going to train whatever younger Amorekim they still might find into continuing the mission of Amorek? Yes. Amorek is mother or father of both. How, do, and how does the lineage of going work? Through the yeah. father. Through the father. Why for women? Don't kill women. They, Why, they, they were children of Amalek too. They, 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 they also descendants of Amalek, yeah. They're older women.